and welcome to the Stay at Home School Mom podcast. My name is Mary Ellen Barrett, and I am joined by my co-host and dear, dear friend, Jenny Sufert. And today we have a terrific topic for you. But first, attention must be paid to the kind friends of ours at Seton Home Study School. They make this podcast possible. Seton is the premier Catholic home study school, having been providing lessons, books, grading, services, guidance counseling, all kinds of things for 40 years. They have had graduates attend every major college and university in the United States, including the Ivy Leagues, the military academies, and are partnered up with most of the Newman Guide Colleges to encourage their students to continue an authentic Catholic education post-homeschool. So you can check out the website there at www.seatonhome.org. There's also a page on there for the college partners. So if you want to check that out, please feel free to do so. And Jenny, you want to introduce our our topic today? It's one that's close to both of our hearts. In it a is. Way, right? music in the home. Uh, I, I have to say up front that Mary Ellen and I both have kids that pursued music after they graduated from high school, music type careers. Uh, I'm married to a musician. He was right. a child musician and then kept working about the first 10 years we were married as a professional musician. And uh, one of my daughters, when she graduated high school, went to a, a conservatory in New York City to study uh, mostly voice, but also drama and dance. You kind of get the whole thing. And another daughter got her BFA in uh, dance. Yeah. So the arts are really important to Jenny and I. I have a daughter who is um, currently the director of music at our local parish while she's pursuing her um, master's degrees. So, and she, she voice organ, her main instrument is the flute. She plays all of, all of the brasses, a few of the string instruments. I'm having trouble talking today. I'm not quite sure why. Um, so anyway, music is very important to us, but having, saying that, I do not have a note of music in me. I am the most least talented person in the history of mankind. And my husband, who came from a family of musicians, his father was a professional conductor and his mother was a professional trumpet player. I remember him when we first met, long before we started dating, he said, uh, so, you know, are you a musician? And I said, well, I took the flute in the fifth grade. And that was good. That was good. He said, okay, I'll go out with you. I don't want, we don't need another musician in the family. Um, but however, he was very instrumental, my husband, I have to say, in helping to teach our children this love of music that they clearly had. And uh, he put up with me. And I, But what I, what I found is there really are two aspects to this. We always think of teaching music in the home in the sense of teaching, you know, music theory. Like, do you know your whole notes and your half notes and your quarter notes? Mm-hmm. Or do you can you perform? Can you play the piano or play the flute? Uh, but I think where music starts or love of music starts is with music appreciation. Anybody, like, even yeah. a fool like me, can listen to music. Go to a church with a beautiful choir. Wow, what a difference it makes. It does. It really does. Well, beautiful... Um liturgical music is rare these days it's kind of rare (laughs) it's terrible but um it is it it does really help you focus on worship and god it elevates everything about the mass to have beautiful liturgical music and um particularly in i have to say in the latin mass i know it's it's hard to find them now um and hopefully that will change someday but uh the chanting and um the the music in those masses is just extraordinary. And it really, yeah. it, it really kind of, I mean, I'm all about thinking that um, beauty, you know, we are created be- beings and we are created for beauty. We are created for order. We are created to be close to God and all of that kind of thing. Well done, music, art, um, uh, dance, all of those things draw you closer to God. So it's really important to get it right. 
but it doesn't mean you have to be able to play anything. No, like a, well, thank God, because my <laughs> yes, <laughs> wouldn't have worked for me. I have zero talent. I'm the first one to admit it. Anything, any talent that my children got, they definitely inherited from, from their dad, not from me. Um, but you'll notice, even when your kids are little, like they've memorized all of the Disney princess songs, that sort of thing. Yeah. And, you know, and they can, they can sing those. Um, so they do have a love of music. The, the thing is that we don't have to restrict ourselves to that. We tend to think of classical music, oh, my kids will be so bored. They'll never listen to it. But that's not true. There's some fabulous classical music that is done by major symphonies mm -hmm. that kids would really enjoy, really love listening to. So you can get past Disney. And by the way, not that I think all the Disney music is bad. I think some of the movies. No, it's not all bad. And and neither is like show tunes. They're not all bad. You know, yeah. there, there seems no, to be a whole lot of really nonsense good. lately. But... To My Fair Lady or Sound of oh, Music. Oh, yes. Or... Oklahoma. All Oklahoma. those. They're wonderful. Great, great um, melodies, great harmonies, great everything. Great musicality in some of those older productions. Um, but like you said, I... I love classical music. I love to listen to it. And that started for me in high school because I had really good music teachers. Yeah. And and it wasn't that we were playing music. It's that we were listening to it. And then I took AP courses. Um, I actually graduated high school with a semester of college under my belt. And they were almost all music classes. And I, like I said, I can't play anything. But I had one teacher uh, pull apart Mozart's uh, Jupiter Symphony and like note by note and then taught us how to conduct it. You know, all these oh, girls wow. in this class who couldn't play anything, but it, it just gave us such an appreciation of the music, of how beautiful it was and, and how everything interconnected. And I just loved that class. So, you know, there's a lot about classical music that can appeal to young people, especially very young people. It can, but again, and this is my problem with even Taylor Swift or something, just modern popular music, why well, a lot of problems, a lot of modern a lot of modern yeah. rock and music. But, but part of my biggest problem is even presuming that it's wholesome, it's fine. Uh, it's sort of passive. Mm -hmm. You I sit agree. back, yeah. the tunes are simple, the uh, the lyrics are simple, the themes behind the music tend to be very simple. They're not necessarily bad. Some are better than others. But classical music, what you were just talking about, where your teacher sort of took it apart for you. Mm -hmm. And then so you could sit there and listen to it and say, oh, yeah. Oh, wow. Like, well, I remember one time we went to, and this was just purely emotional. Living in Chicago was great for this type of thing. You can always get a beautiful show. Or, but the Chicago Symphony Orchestra used to, I don't know if they still do, have a rehearsal once a week at a park in oh. Millennium Park in downtown Chicago. So I had taken my kids to the park, not knowing this. We were just going to go to the park and see the Bean or something. And they were doing um, the New World Symphony. And there's a part of the New World Symphony called Coming Home. And it's such a beautiful, haunting melody. Oh, how nice. And we heard it for free. We heard one of the greatest yeah. symphony orchestras in the world. And we heard, so if you look around, and we'll talk about that in a minute, some of the things, uh, some of the places you might be able to find these if you don't happen to live in Chicago and go to Millennium Park on rehearsal day. Um, but the biggest thing would be, of course, the World Wide Web. You I love that you call it that. It's <laughs> It's I the know, internet. Right? Yeah. It's the internet. I know. I think it sounds a little cooler saying the World Wide Web. It well, doesn't can, really. <laughs> okay, then we'll just say the internet. But you can you can get on the internet and you can find fabulous performer performances from some of the greatest orchestras and bands in the world. 
Yeah, absolutely. It's very easy to do. And it's um, YouTube, PBS has streaming uh, live performances. Um, the BBC does. And yes, there's a little work involved. Maybe you have to download the app or maybe you have to, you know, rent the recording or whatever. I know Amazon Prime has some well, stuff too. Well, get on World Wide Web. <laughs> <laughs> it's grating on my ears. <laughs> I, I can tell. Well, PBS during um, COVID, when we were all locked down, PBS was putting on shows. Mm -hmm. Just yeah. the entertainment of the masses. And I remember one of them was the, the follow-up that Andrew Lloyd Webber had written to Phantom of the Opera mm -hmm. called Lover Never Dies. And it's about the, the phantom runs Coney Island, right? Yes. Yeah. And he ran Coney Island and he, he gets Christine to come to Coney Island. She doesn't know who he is. And, and it, it's sort of a love story, but I have, as the, I'm watching this thing, I'm thinking, well, you're supposed to forget, I suppose, that he's a serial killer. Right. <laughs> a little difficult. But anyway, it was a little weird. But anyhow, uh, we're going to put these up on our um, pro program notes. But just a few things to get you started on this. And this all comes from, by the way, my husband. Again, I knew nothing about any of these growing up myself. But The Carnival of the Animals by Camille Saint-Saëns. Yeah. Various instruments and various parts of, this, uh, of the piece represent different animals. And there's one part, dance macabre, which means, you know, sort of the spooky dance. The xylophone sounds like bones. Right. And I remember that from one of those classes. Um, the, the professor kind of taking that apart and think about this, think about a skeleton jangling around and it really sounds like that in this piece of music. So all you have to do is present this music to your children and With say, listen to this. Say, wow, listen to this. Doesn't this sound like spooky skeleton bones? Yeah, and if you and do it right around Halloween, it's even creepier, right? It's it even is more even exciting. <laughs> and one you can do at Christmas, and this I remember listening to when I was a kid is the Mall of the Night Visitors. It's an opera. So you're thinking to yourself, oh, my kids don't want to hear opera. But it's a cool opera about the three kings. The night visitors are the three kings. Yeah, that's really neat. And you you put it on your TV, popcorn, hot cocoa, right around Christmas time. And that becomes a really nice memory. And they're learning something about beautiful music. And it's yeah. not all Taylor Swift and, and Mariah Carey singing whatever for Christmas carols in your house. I can't stand it. <laughs> I can't see. It's, you know, it's, it's Mariah Carey, what all I want for Christmas is oh, you. Oh, yeah. My like kids the first time I heard it, okay, that's nice. <laughs> you hear it constantly. Every, well, I think what's happened on the radio is I noticed they really don't play sacred music at all on the radio. No, it's and a shame. I don't, I don't have anything against Frosty the Snowman. It's fine to play. Oh, yeah, but there aren't that many secular Christmas songs. So they replay. Yeah. And replay. And replay and replay. And replay. Do you want to just you know, blow your brains out over it. I, I mean, some of them are very cute. The ones we grew up with, Rudolph and Frosty and all that yeah, kind of stuff. I have no problem with any of that, but yeah, it's but cute. I guess they, they don't feel they can put sacred music on, but let's face it. What we really love about Christmas is listening to We Three Kings or Silent Night or something like oh, that. Oh yeah. A well done. Those kinds of hymns really are just elevate the whole season. But I, it, we're, we're filming this, we're recording this on um, November 3rd. And just yesterday, my daughter Bridget said, Oh, I feel like somebody's chipping Mariah Carey out of her iceberg. <laughs> They're thawing her out, getting her ready. <laughs> like, no, it's it's too discouraging. <laughs> By the way, it, we are recording this the day after um, All Souls Day. And anybody who lives in Chicago or near Chicago should go to St. John Cantus Church on All Souls Day. They do an, they do an old funeral mass with the black vestments and everything. Oh, that it's, must be beautiful. And they play um, Mozart's Requiem. 
Oh gosh, that that is, is worth hearing. Oh, so it, it is so beautiful. That's another thing though for something like uh, the Day of the Dead or All Souls Day. Uh, play Mozart Requiem. Yeah, it's oh. such a moving piece as opposed to like Gift of Finest Wheat. Yeah. <laughs> Eagles wings. Oh, and Eagles uh, wings again. I mean, so much fat, so much fabulous sacred music. Um, but uh, you know, Peter and the Wolf is a fairy tale. Again, different instruments represent different characters in the story, and you can read the story to the kids before they listen to the, right. to the music. And I've I've taken my children to um like children's productions of Peter and the Wolf. Yes, you know, around here, like the library had one once. I'm I'm talking 20 years ago, but um, there are lots of little theaters around here that you can pay ten dollars, twelve dollars a ticket, something like that, and go during the day and see Peter and the Wolf. It's a very popular one, and it's around a lot. I, I bet if you looked for it in your area, you could find oh, it yeah. somewhere. Christmas, uh, you can almost always find a Nutcracker put on yeah. by a local ballet company or something like that. And I was just hearing my daughter, uh, who lives in Ohio. Her, she has two little kids, and her kid's other grandma gave the two-year-old a, a ticket to, I believe it was the Nutcracker, but it's a, a little kid's Nutcracker. Oh. So they're not going to do the whole thing. They're going to do selected parts of it that a two-year-old could sit through. Yeah. Oh, you see, you really have to take advantage of that. I've always brought my girls to the Nutcracker. I have very fond memories of going to Lincoln Center to see it myself when I was a little girl. And you just call ballet schools in your area. And see who's doing it, right? And then take and you around, you'll be able to find it. You'll because they often perform in high schools or in yep. you know things like that. Your ballet academy or whatever. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. You spend a few dollars on a ticket. It's perfectly appropriate for little kids. Nobody cares if they make noise because all the performers' brothers and sisters are there. And as you're, you're supporting dance in your community. Yeah, and it's just and a nice, nice. It's just a nice event, you know, for Sunday afternoon is. or something. And the music. I, I, it's the Nutcracker. It's Tchaikovsky. It's beautiful. It's absolutely beautiful. So yeah, now those those types of things I think are fabulous. Uh, also, we we mentioned Mozart's Requiem, but um, Handel's Messiah, mm-hmm. and that's a cool piece. That's a cool piece. Everybody knows the Alleluia chorus, which of course is Easter, right? And very often the Messiah will be featured. They'll, they'll have local choral groups doing it again. Something you can find without too much trouble usually uh-huh. around Easter time. But the Messiah itself is the is the life of Christ as taken from Old Testament readings. And it, it includes things like Christmas. <laughs> so you can play parts of the Messiah like unto us as child is gift born. Yeah. You know, you can you can play that around Christmas time. Um beautiful, beautiful piece. Anybody you can listen to it any time of year. There's an interesting story behind it that Handel was writing the, uh, the Messiah. And his ballet came into his dressing room and found him crying. Oh. I said, what's wrong? He says, he said, what I'm writing is so beautiful. Oh, goodness. And my, my husband believes, he said, look, nobody could write that. He said that came from God. Oh, wow. That is, I've never heard that before. And I'm very yeah, familiar with that. His thing. ballet found him crying. And he says, what I'm writing is so beautiful. And Handel believed that that it came from God. And my husband says, yeah, nobody can write that. <laughs> nobody has that in them. Uh, I don't know if it did, but certainly you'll you'll think about God when you hear it. It's just so beautiful to listen to. And then, to be honest, I discouraged Disney. I realized that uh, at the very beginning. But Disney, uh, oh gosh, back in the 50s or something, did Fantasia. 
Well, yeah, that's that's music worthless. And it's kind of a cool thing. It it, it was such early animation. It was kind of groundbreaking at the time. So that that is a cool thing to watch with your kids. Again, you know, popcorn, hot cocoa, watch it. It's a nice memory. And then they, they he did another one in 2000. So there's yeah. also Foundation 2000. So that those all of those are, again, we're going to put these in the program notes. We didn't expect you to take notes. But we were just sort of saying, uh, if you live near a major city, as I did, and Mary Ellen did, we had a blessing for this. There are Broadway and off-Broadway productions. You could go see the Christmas Carol in Chicago. Every year they produce it. Uh, university, you know, call up local universities. Oh yeah, that's a great. That's a great. They all resource. have theater companies. They all, if you live anywhere near a major university, they all have theater companies. They many of them have dance schools, mm-hmm. so you might be able to find something through them. But even your local JUCO, your local community college. Oh yeah, they do. I mean, I I know for a fact because Erin has been in orchestras since she was six and she's played in a lot of different like she's now she's a ringer what they call a ringer so if somebody's needing a flute for their orchestra right, they, you know, call they call her and so she'll she'll perform at colleges universities um high schools any if they pay her she'll go musicians are like that if you pay me yes. i will go especially but, these days the money's not out there like it used to be for live music yeah i mean she's there is some beautiful music. You just have to do a little bit of work. She's performing um, next Friday. We're recording this on a Friday. So um, next Friday in our parish with a, a professional ensemble, they needed a flutist. So she's she made the church available to them because she schedules things there. And so they're doing um, an ensemble concert, I guess, um, with a bunch of pieces of music I have never heard of, but they're classical pieces of music. And it's, I'm sure it's an hour. It's going to be beautiful on a Friday evening. And you probably have to pay to get in, but not an outrageous amount. It's not like going to the mass. Oh, no, it's a free will offering kind of oh, a thing. It, yeah, because yeah, it's in the church, so I guess. St. John Cantus, when you go to uh, hear the Requiem, I don't think they charge you. As I recall, it's a free will offering. No, I always want to give them something because you want to support that stuff. Oh, yeah, you toss something in the basket. But, but it's oh, not outrageous. You can really, again, we, we talked about ballet companies, uh, off the, the theater companies in almost every community, little community, the black box theaters, they call them. Mm-hmm. Much of my kids have performed in those. Uh, very often, even smaller communities will have band concerts in the park during the summer. Right. And those are so much fun. That's so small town America to me. You know, there's a gazebo or something and you have right. bands or or a, a some kind of band shell and there's an orchestra and it's all the local people who just love to play music. So you really usually get some really good music out of that. And you're teaching your children not only like to support their community and their band, but you're teaching them to love good music. And that's what music appreciation is. You don't have to be particularly knowledgeable about it. As homeschooling mothers, we're always learning with our children. You know, we don't know everything. So learn right alongside of them what's beautiful about this music. Again, like I said before, we're called to beauty and you want to expose your children to as much of it as possible while you have them. And uh, one of the things we talked a little bit about sacred music, we talked about classical music, we talked about holiday music, uh, but we didn't talk about patriotic music. Oh, gosh. Does anybody even teach that anymore? That was like required when I was in school, in elementary school. You had to. What is it? Lee Greenwood singing, I'm proud to be an American. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Which Which is a great song, by the way. I want to say nothing bad about it. No, it it is. It's a wonderful song. John Philip Sousa, all these patriotic band pieces. And very often around the 4th of July or Labor Day or, you know, the patriotic holidays, Labor Day or Memorial Day, you will be able to hear these band, these little band concerts in, in community parks. Yeah, often with fireworks. (laughs) Yeah, you don't have to be in New York City. 
No, you don't. You don't. In fact, sometimes they're a little more patriotic in other places. Uh, and it might not be the best musicians you've ever heard, but so what? Oh, yeah, that doesn't matter. Yeah, it's so just, much. it's about the experience and learning the music. I, when I was in grammar school, I went to public grammar school, and then I went to a private um, all-girls high school, uh, Catholic. Um, but the public school was just literally four houses down the block. So my parents were just like, all right, well, that's simple. You're going there. Um we had to sing My Country Tis of Thee every morning. We said we the pledge. You had a moment of silence and you sang My Country Tis of Thee. And then whenever there was a school assembly, which happened fairly frequently, you had to say the pledge and then sing the Star Spangled Banner. So by the time you got yourself through kindergarten, everybody knew all those songs. Yeah. You know, when this land is your land, we sang in the choir every year. This land is your land. Right. So you just by osmosis, you learned all of these patriotic songs. And now I think if you said that to some of the kids coming out of the, the little elementary schools now, my country tis of thee. What? Uh -huh. <laughs> what, are talking, huh? what is that? What are you talking about? Yeah, patriotism is not particularly pushed in, in too many schools. And I realize, by the way, it's a big country. So I, I always want to be careful when I say that. Mary Ellen and I are both from really liberal states where patriotism yes. isn't pushed too much. It's not. I think there are parts of the country where it's a little different. I remember reading years ago in Life magazine, I think, the last one-room schoolhouse closed in Nebraska. Oh, wow. And I, would, I would have thought that happened 100 years ago. No, no. they had. My, I have friends that went to one-room schoolhouses in Nebraska, actually, because the real rural areas, like the school was three families who maybe lived in the community. Oh, and, okay. But they closed the last one down, and they showed the kids like singing the anthem while they pulled the flag down from outside the one-room school and they prayed every day. And this was long after the the decision, the Madeline Murray O'Hare decision, that you couldn't pray in the schools. Huh. But she said she told the kids it was okay because they were all Lutherans. <laughs> well, that does make it okay. <laughs> so look, when I was a kid, in, this was in, in Yonkers, New York, right outside of New York City. And I went to public kindergarten because the Catholic schools, they couldn't be bothered with that nonsense. <laughs> You're going, to sit, you're going to sit there and learn. I'm not reading you a story, lady. Uh, but I went to, and we used to say prayers over our cookies and milk. And oh, somehow the world did not collapse. Really? Yeah, I know. Yeah, <laughs> Everything stayed was, okay. And maybe well, people learned to I'm be respectful. I'm not a believer in restoring prayer to the public schools. I know people talk about it all the time. Because I'm afraid if we did that, you'd get the lunatics that would insist that certain days of the week you pray to Satan or to crystals or some nonsense. Well, that's what schools. would happen, unfortunately. Yeah, I've gone so off the rails now. I'm just a big believer in pull your kids out of the public schools and send them to a school you want uh -huh. to homeschool. Do you know, I saw this has nothing to do with music, by the way. We've gone off the rails a bit, but I'm going to yeah, say it anyway. <laughs> That's okay. They're used to us by now, I think. Um, it, it came over the wire today that homeschooling is now the fastest growing educational form in America. I saw that. Did you see that? It was on um, it was on the Catholic News uh, Association, CNA, and then it was in the Washington Post. I think so, this long time, that's another, definitely another podcast that we'll do. We'll, we'll put that one together for you guys. We have to get back to music now, but one of the great aspects of homeschooling is that you can teach your kids what you want to teach them. Yeah. And that can <laughs> include music appreciation. But before we get into music performance and music theory, the other aspect of teaching music in the home, I think we do have to take a sponsor break. You know, Seton Home Study, as we mentioned, is our primary sponsor, but we have lots of other sponsors we very much appreciate their support. And we think they support Catholic families too. So please take a listen. And now we'd like to take a moment to thank our sponsor, Benedictine College. 
Benedictine College is a Newman Guide School located in Atchison, Kansas. It is heir to the 1500 years of Benedictine dedication to learning. Benedictine College mission as a Catholic Benedictine liberal arts residential college is the education of men and women within a community of faith and scholarship. There are over 50 undergraduate programs, two master's degree programs, and they are located on a beautiful, beautiful campus. Please check out their website at benedictine.edu for more information about student life, faith life, admissions, financial aid, athletics, and a variety of other things. You can even schedule a visit to the campus on the website. So again, check them out at benedictine.edu. And thank you, Benedictine College, for sponsoring the Stay at Homeschooling Mom podcast. Thank you very much to our sponsor. There was a little appreciation for them. Um, please check out their website. And we really appreciate our sponsors. So we would uh, be very happy for you to support them as well. We were just talking about music appreciation, teaching your children music, even if you are not particularly musical yourself, as Ginny and I are. We have, we've each raised musicians. Um, I have a professional musician, a couple of cantors, a couple of guitar players, a couple of piano players. And Ginny has professional, she married one. She she got off easy. She had one in the house. <laughs> My Aaron did teach the younger ones how to play though, um, the flute and the piano. So, I mean, if you have a musical kid, that's a way to go. I don't know. My husband had 17 years of musical lessons. Yeah. And he has no patience. <laughs> no patience. Well, that's a, that's a personality thing. <laughs> that was a personality thing. But I met him and he was teaching music in two high schools in New York City. And he just has no patience for teaching kids. But he did he did have a lot of patience for taking them to these the music appreciation that we just talked about. He wanted them to love music. Right. I bet um, he brought that enthusiasm with him and that made them enthusiastic about it. Yeah. Like I think that sharing what you too. love. Yeah. But a lot of our moms will say, well, listen, I kind of vaguely remember whole notes and half notes when I was in school, but I don't remember how to teach that. And there are books available, that sort of thing. You can get that. But I think the easiest way to learn how to read music is to simply take piano lessons or flute lessons or instrumental music lessons. I know not everybody has the money for them, but they're usually fairly affordable. Very often, if you call your local public school, depending on the state or your local Catholic school, they might have a music teacher who's willing to give your kid music lessons for not an outrageous sum. Mm -hmm. Yeah, well, my Erin does. She she teaches private lessons, calling uh, your local uh, junior college, asking for the music department, seeing if anybody there gives lessons. Um, sometimes if you have little ones, like Erin has taught um, classes of homeschool children, kindergartners. She'll take three or four of them from different families, you know, and just charge them one fee for the for the 45 minutes so the family split it up you know and so she's teaching the th three or four little ones at the same time um she she um has done courses for them so if you find somebody like that who's willing to be flexible and teach your kids um that way it can be very affordable there and another way is to have them join the church choir i mean you do learn the notes in the church choir if your church has a choir children's choir, boys choir, whatever it is. That's my kids have all been in church choir. Now the twins are graduating this year. They're seniors. They've been in it since they were six. You know, yeah. I, I went to um, a mass the other day with my, my daughter and two of her kids were in the church choir. They learn so much. Um, 
they will learn reading sheet music, which is what we're talking about here. And you don't have to be able to read, you know, Mozart's original scores. No, but if you know the notes and where they are on the clefs, right. you can read music. It's okay. Yeah. I, I can yeah. read music from years of piano lessons, to, at which the piano teacher finally told my mother, I can't take any, any more of your money. She's never going to be good at this. <laughs> Five years <Yeah>, ago. <laughs> But, but, but there are opportunities for your kids who are not in school. Sometimes there are homeschool bands. Uh, my one niece is a homeschooler in Pennsylvania, and she has like a, uh, she's a former music teacher before she had her kids. And she has like a little program for homeschooled kids in the community. There's all sorts of stuff that you can do if you look around. Oh, yeah. You uh, have was, to, again, you have to make the effort. You have to, you know, ask your, your church organist or something like that. You have to make some efforts to find. Right. Is there anything that my daughter can do? She's homeschooled. Uh, be, to follow voice or to follow piano or whatever. I will say my one daughter, the one who went to the conservatory, she had a beautiful singing voice and she was taking piano and voice lessons that we were paying for privately. But I called up our local public high school where I was paying, by the way, confiscatory property taxes. Yes. And I said, could she just audition? The, the, um, the, the high school, had, it was a big high school. They had several, or, um, several choirs. I said, could she just audition? That's all. She doesn't make it. She doesn't make it. He said he didn't think that would be a good use of taxpayers' money to allow a homeschooler in. I, I got a similar response when I asked if Aaron could um, join their orchestra or audition for their orchestra, and they said, absolutely not. We can't have homeschoolers here. Right. And I, fe I felt like actually doing something violent because of the, <laughs> the, the, the property taxes I was paying. But anyhow, what I was going to say to you, though, is in my opinion, it was um, really a blessing in disguise. So they wouldn't let her try out. She, she had a lot of Broadway-type music ability. Mm -hmm. They wouldn't let her try out for the school plays, which they had several of those. She, they wouldn't let her audition for the choirs. So that forced us to go into the communities. And this is what we discovered. If you have community theater and some kid goes in there and auditions for parts, and very often not auditioning for a particular part, you mm -hmm. just audition and they give you the part. They will give you what they think you are capable of doing. Not that there's not favoritism, because there sometimes can be, but they're very open to taking people with talent in. Whereas if your kid is in, and you remember this from your own high school years, if you're in high school and you're a sophomore, no matter how much ability you have, the seniors get all the plum rolls. Yeah, that's absolutely sophomores true. Stations. It's it's the only way they can be fair, I guess. And and but that's absolutely true. But in a community well, that's not theater, true the community college, yeah. community, I mean, excuse me, community theater. Yeah, you can be 15 and still get like the good role, maybe in the sound of music. If you have a soaring voice, they're yeah. going to grab you because they want to make, they want, you know, people are paying to go to their little community theater. That supports it. That wants to keep it going. So they find somebody with a beautiful voice or with, with an ability to take direction. I mean, there's a lot to this. Um, she did quite well. So she joined, she was in two church choirs at one point and she was doing community theater. So she got lots more experience than I think she would have done had they allowed her to go into the public school. That looks good on a college resume, like an application. It does. Whether or not you want to be in music, if you, even if you're not applying for music, it's just that uh, d the discipline and the responsibility and all of that kind of stuff. It just looks good on those college apps to have that kind of experience. It sure does. And then, so anyhow, look around your community. You really can find opportunities for your kids to take music lessons that are affordable and also to perform. It's possible. Uh, don't just say, oh, they're homeschooled, they can't do it. That's not true. Uh, Mary Ellen and I have both been able to overcome it. And really, 
when I was homeschooling and really when you started homeschooling, it was not nearly as popular as it is now. Oh gosh, no, we, we, you know, it was weird. Yeah. Yeah. Um, And now you have even like online, you can, you can learn to play the guitar on YouTube. That's right. Or or piano. Just you can get some basic instruction. I wouldn't recommend it for, you know, to classically train your flutist or something. But I mean, you can get some basic instruction and learn the notes. So if you have a little electric piano, maybe that you bought on Facebook Marketplace and you sit the kid in front of a YouTube video, you can learn how to play that. Yep. You can do okay for yourself. Um, The other thing is, so I don't know if anybody knows who Andre Rieu is. But he's, I believe he's Austrian. He's a conductor. His stuff is all over the internet. Uh, he has a lot of fun with his orchestras. He plays fun music and he has great soloists. And so you can, your kids can actually see bands and orchestras on the web. And like I say, he's kind of fun the way he does it. It is classical music, most of it. But he'll bring in like a 14-year-old opera singer, soprano. Oh, that's neat. Yeah, he does really cool stuff. So I highly recommend Andre Lea. And what you can do with your kids, even if you don't really remember more than whole notes and half notes, you can certainly study parts of bands and orchestra. You can learn the sections, you know, strings and woodwinds and brass and percussion. You can get pictures online or just have the kids draw pictures or copy pictures and make a scrapbook out of all that. Yeah. Um, we've talked a lot in the past about the library and, you know, the good and bad and the ugly there. There are, you can go and listen to recordings and you can take out books about the instruments of the band. You can, they have very simple ones. I I used to have one or two um, band instruments, orchestra instruments, that kind of thing. Um, And you can do composer study there too. You can take out a few books about Beethoven and Mozart and Tchaikovsky and all these people that we've been talking about. Books now, like read to me books. Yeah. Yeah. About those and like it'll be a Swan Lake book and you push, the kid pushes a button and here's something from Swan Lake. Yeah. And that that kind of um, knowledge, like when you hear those notes when you're very little, you tend never to forget them. Right. Because right? it, it, they're such um, little sponges, the little ones, and they they love music and they're good little mimics. So they'll hear it and they'll hum it and they'll sing it. And, and then it's them. It's with you forever. Like nobody forgets Twinkle, Twinkle, Little Star. Well, if you start playing, you know, Swan Lake for your two and three year old, they're never going to forget those melodies. They're always going to have them with them. So definitely get on get on the uh, the internet. I'll be careful. And then they, and and speak to them about things like soprano, alto, tenor, and bass. Mm-hmm. And and speak to them about well, who's the conductor? Is it man conductor? Is it a woman conductor? What is a soloist? Or oh, a person who plays by themselves is a soloist? You know those types of very general stuff. You'd be shocked at how many kids don't know that. Right. The terminology is not difficult. It's very no. easy to know and. Very few people these days seem to be taught that kind of thing. So unless they're specifically in, you know, the high school band, nobody seems to know that. And it's part of being, and we talk about this a lot, part of being a well-rounded person is just knowing certain things, to know some poetry, to know some music, to know some art, to know all of these things. It's a very, we're big proponents of a liberal arts education here. And just to know certain pieces of music and to know certain terms is just makes you a well-rounded person well-educated person it does and then the final and this is sort of fun and it's more for younger kids but even older kids could help them make it older kids what i found with my own is well they're too cool to do something <laughs> but then when they help the like, the younger kids do it they really enjoy it yeah that's true they can they can let themselves go and, and pretend they can be kids they're, they're cool, but... too cool to do it themselves <laughs> you know? but, but it's kind of fun if they're helping their younger brothers and sisters and kids can make their own instruments 
This is fun. I'm glad you included this because this is a fun thing and it's very cute. It really is. And they love, I remember doing it with just the oatmeal. So, you know, those round boxes that oatmeal come in all the time. Mm -hmm. You, you take, you empty the oatmeal out first so you don't get bumps <laughs> or something. Empty the oatmeal out first. But then, you know, you, you have the kids take construction paper and put it around the outside and decorate it really nicely. And you put the time, and that's really a drum. It's a drum, yeah. And you could use um, chopsticks or something if you wanted to give them sticks. Um, you put down the fake symbols by smashing two pot lids together. Send them outside to do that because yeah. <laughs> that is an annoying noise. But you could, but you could actually, for the sake of argument, uh, have the kid make a drum. And then you could see, well, how do you do a drum roll? And you'll find somebody on the internet that will show a kid how to do boom, 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 mm -hmm. boom, 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 boom. And kids get a real kick out of that sort of thing. Oh, sure. And, you know, it might spark an interest in and and you might see that they have some musical ability if they can hold a beat or something. Okay. <laughs> no, it's it's and it's fun. Maracas, you know, you put um, Pringles containers or water bottles or something and you fill them with dry beans or little popcorn kernels or something. Um, there's lots of different ways to make it. And then you can actually go around the house and, and make what makes sound here and kind of identify the different kinds of sound. Is this a high sound, a low sound, a tinny sound, a deep sound, that kind of thing. Just make music with the things you have around you. And one of the best ways of teaching pitch is when you line up the glasses and you have, you know, a, an eighth of a, a cup of water in the first oh, glass, yeah. a quarter of a cup, a half a cup, a three, and then the kids ting it, you know, with a spoon or something. And they realize these make different sounds depending on how much water it is. And you can teach pitch that way. Yeah, you want to hear a crazy thing? Erin has perfect pitch, so she can tell you what notes they are. Oh, I hate her. <laughs> <laughs> Isn't that my Ryan had perfect pitch too? Um really? yeah, two of them. And so you can you can hit anything. And she, she can tell you, oh, that's a G, that's an A flat, whatever. And in the car, if you she's very irritating to listen to the radio with because she'll be like, oh, they're flat. They're off key. Yeah. That one had auto tune. That one, like, just shut up. Can I just enjoy this yeah, song? Just listen to music I just want to listen it. to this song. I like this song. <laughs> I used to like this song. Now it's annoying. <laughs> but anyway, all this sort of fun stuff that you can do. If you get online, you can find you know, how to make musical instruments with your kids. Oh, yeah. And Pinterest is I agree with Mary Ellen. Some of them you might want the kids to take outside because it might be loud. But it can, and if you find, uh, if you make like little homemade maracas out of another thing, remember, you know, those little plastic things that you put candy in at Easter time, the little plastic eggs? Oh, yeah, yeah, the eggs. Yeah, yeah, they, they make good maracas. They would make great maracas. And uh, actually, if you take two spoons and put them around the egg and then take them and decorate that, then it's like a maraca that has a handle on it. And then look up online music with maracas. You'll find something, I promise. Oh, I'm sure you will. It's just You'll find it. and you send that outside because that would drive right. me crazy. And, and, put, and put your computer out, you put your laptop outside on the, on the deck table and let them play their maracas outside to the music. <laughs> it's, it's a fun thing for kids. You it's know, one of, one of the things that we want to do with homeschooling is we don't want our kids to just think of the drudgery of, you know, oh, we sat at the dining room table and we did our books. There's a big part of that that has to be done. We want our kids to get a great education. We also want them to remember their childhood having a lot of fun. Yes. You want them to look back and have really fond memories and silly memories and funny memories and, and just good, good stuff. You want them to feel good about everything that happened in their homeschool because maybe then they'll homeschool. Yep. I, I certainly think they're going to have to <laughs> the way things are going around here lately. Oh, my so. word. This is Carol Swain, who I... I Followed her on, on, she's a very interesting woman, she's a former college professor. She said pretty soon the only 
well-educated kids in the United States will be homeschooled kids. That's absolutely true. They won't know anything about misgendering people. Yeah, right. <laughs> they will be able to pick Mozart out of a crowd. <laughs> and learning about the, and we should finish up with this. Mary Ellen and I can go on all day. And so somebody has to like put a timer on us or something. But learning about the great composers is also a cool thing to do. I told you that story about Handel and writing the Messiah. Yeah, Mozart, I, I didn't know that. That That is really Isn't cool. that a cool story? It is. It really is. Mozart wrote his first piece when he was five, I think. Again, yeah. that came from God. That didn't come from a great music teacher. That came from God. Yeah, absolutely. Um, he was a prod- prodigy. Prodigy. Yeah. And um, my father-in-law had seen his original scores. And he said, there's no cross outs in Isn't that amazing? That is a gift from God. I mean, he just heard it in his head and wrote it down. And wrote it down. At five years old. That's, yeah, uh, there are lots of wonderful stories there. And there are lots of stories in these composers who struggled through very hard times. Not a lot of them made a lot of money. They just, they just had to make music. They just had to write music. So there's a lot of- stories will grab your kids. Yeah, they're very, very interesting. Think about Beethoven writing a a symphony when he was deaf already. He's deaf and he's writing- the most beautiful, uh, the ninth, I think he wrote when he was completely dead. The ninth, I think, yeah. Yeah, the pastoral symphony. It, they're extraordinary story. stories of p- perseverance and faith and hope and all these kinds of things. So composer study, if you really are intimidated by the music itself, composer study is a great way to go. And there are tons of books about that, um, age appropriate, child appropriate. We used to listen to, there was a series of... Um, there's no such thing anymore, CDs. So we used to listen to them in the car and they were just stories of the composers and telling their lives in an age-appropriate, child-friendly way and then interspersing it with bits of their music. And it was yeah. just kind of a cool thing. I'm sure I have, I couldn't tell you what it was called. It was a whole series of them, but I'm sure if you looked on Amazon or or something, you'd find something similar to that. Something you could find. Yeah. But anyhow, so I guess our, our whole point to this as we wrap up is you can teach music to your kids at home. You can do it very successfully and give them a real love of great music. And have a lot of fun while you're doing it. Absolutely. While you're doing it. But uh, I think that's it for us. We always go over, as everybody knows who listens to us, we'd like to thank the staff, uh, our team at Seton Home Study School, uh, Jason, who's Jason, who takes out all the stuff when you know we make a stupid comment or something. He edits it out <laughs> for us. And, and Robin Hibble, who uh, helps with it. And uh, Jim Stanley, who does our program notes, which is a big thing. Check the program notes for this show because there's a lot more information. In. Absolutely. And we will see you again next Wednesday when the next podcast drops. In the meantime, God bless you. God bless. And now we'd like to take a moment to thank our sponsor, Seton Home Study School. Seton Home Study School is a nationally accredited, faithfully Catholic, private distant learning school that serves students from pre-K through 12th grade. There are currently 17,000 homeschool students enrolled in Seton Home Study School and many, many more who use their books and materials, including several small Catholic schools. Since 1983, Seton Home Study School has faithfully served the homeschool community in the United States and all over the world. Please check out their website, Seton Home org for more information. And thank you, Seton Home Study School, for sponsoring the podcast, The Stay-at-Home Schooling Moms.